one of the most common things I see is from people who finally realize that LinkedIn is not just for a CV. They'll say, okay, we want to sell on LinkedIn. Let's sell, let's do some selling, you know, or the, the Asia department needs to be selling. Let's get them on LinkedIn. Right. So, so what that results in is people trying to make loads of connections really, really quickly. They haven't got the first clue of any depth of knowledge about the people that they're connecting with. And then if they do make a connection, they're immediately trying to move the sales conversation forward. And actually that's going to scare people off. Welcome to Pivot Me, where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia. For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results through high performance habits, the multiply me method, and a little mental gymnastics. On Pivot Me, I talk to thought leaders and experts sharing our successes, our many scrubs, and how we can all use both to move us to the next level. Join us and learn real simple steps to pivot you and your business towards the life you've earned. How much are you leveraging your LinkedIn profile? Did you set it and forget it like I did for years? Or are you actively nurturing it and treating it like the content influence, the sales tool that it really can be? Today, I'm sitting down with LinkedIn guru and the relentlessly helpful copywriter, John Esperian. He is the author of the book, content DNA, and he helps business-to-business clients leverage their expert articles, case studies, web pages. He does amazing work. We've used them ourselves. He also helps business owners and personal brands to improve their online presence on LinkedIn, which is the number one platform for business. Today, we're going to talk through how important LinkedIn is for business and networking and how much time you really need to spend there. We will break down the biggest mistakes on LinkedIn, as well as his number one tool when bootstrapping a LinkedIn growth, meaning you got a small audience and how do you get a bigger audience ultimately so we can influence more people and position yourself better in the marketplace, add more value. LinkedIn is not just for business development though, and not just the place you go when you are looking for a new role. I'll ask him the one thing we can do right away to make our profiles pop. And I I also want to ask uh, John about his LinkedIn Leaders Playbook, the training course he developed that distills all of his expertise into one place. But the last thing I'm going to ask him is, I really want to know why John has the certain phrase in his LinkedIn profile. A little bit of explicit language in there. Why does he use those words? I'm very curious. We're about to find out. Let's get into it. Welcome, John, on Pivot Me. Thanks so much for joining us today. Very happy to be here, April. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, John, before we get into the amazing information you're going to give to us pivoters, I first need to share how you and I met. So I was writing an article for LinkedIn and I wanted as much visibility as possible. And so our team set to the Google and we said, who is the guy in the LinkedIn space? And article after article, video after video, I kept hearing this name, John, and we said, this is the guy. We got to reach out to this guy. He knows what's up. So I sent you a LinkedIn message. You and I connected. We ended up doing some work together. You were indeed relentlessly helpful, which is kind of your description, your tagline on LinkedIn. And it was great. The information you provided was fantastic. The guidance, the consulting, it was amazing. So I'm so glad that we got connected, John. Well, that's really very kind of you. Thank you, April. And I suppose that that kind of demonstrates the value of the organic approach, because I, I didn't pay for your eyeballs there. I, I got it through creating stuff and letting you discover me, the inbound approach. That's basically what I've been doing for the last several years. And it, it draws me, it gets me my clients. So it's a, it's a really great thing to do for my business. It's a perfect example of what we're about to talk about. So John, first, let me understand, how did you get into this work? Like, I understand you have a copywriting background. Did you go, I'm really fired up about LinkedIn and I want to help? Or did you go, everyone's doing it wrong. I also want to help. Tell us the backstory. Yeah, not quite. I mean, I was, I've been a, a copywriter 
independently since 2009. But when I was trying to use social media to find more clients, I eventually drilled down on LinkedIn being the place for B2B to find me for content writing work. But because I'm under NDAs with a lot of my clients, I can't really talk about active projects or even stuff that I've done in the past with most clients. I can't even name who I've worked for. And so how can you provide some proof points? Well, my real skill is in explaining how stuff works. So I thought, what if I explain how this place works and people can see, oh yeah, he gets it. He understands, he can explain this. I get it now. Maybe he can explain how my business process works or my remote control works or whatever it is that I'm selling. And that's what has helped to get me B2B clients. And, and I've kind of just continued on in that mold for the last four years or so. Four years. Okay. Why is this important? Why is LinkedIn important? Why is having the right image and copy on your LinkedIn profile so important? Well, it's the world's largest networking marketplace, if you like. So, and it, it's, it's a means of getting organic visibility. In other words, people will see your stuff, even though you haven't paid a dime for that visibility. So instead of being a place where you just go when you need a job, or you just go when you need to hire someone, or you just go to update your CV because you've just changed your job, it can be a place to build an audience around the thought leadership in your industry, whatever whatever line of work you work in, where you can create content and you can support other people's content through your comments so that people find you and say, yeah, that's the guy or that's the girl who is talking about the thing that we're interested in, just the same way that you found me. And it's a non-salesy approach. I'm just putting out my thought leadership. I'm providing helpful, relevant material and then the audience who resonates with my voice, they self-select them. So I don't need to go and pick up the phone a hundred times a day and hope that someone's going to answer my call and maybe they're not interested right now. Maybe the timing's not right for them. By putting out my stuff to them, they self-select when they're ready. There's no pressure. They can do as much due diligence as they want. I don't even need to know who they are until they put their hand up and say, okay, I'm ready to work with you now. And those things are really, really powerful. So I, th I think everyone who is serious about building a legacy, a business presence, thought leadership, those people, those executives, those business owners need to get uh, a LinkedIn presence that goes beyond a skeleton profile and zero content. That's just not going to cut it. Yeah. There's so many things I, I love in what you just said, John. One of them was that it's not just a place that you go when you need to look for a job. And how many of us in the corporate world are guilty of, it's the skeleton LinkedIn profile. You and I were talking before we went on, on air that previous, when I worked in the corporate world, it was just, okay, make sure you have one. They were important. Of course they're important. Make sure you have one, make sure the right information's in there, your deliverables, your accountabilities. And then that was it. That wasn't necessarily a content a place where you delivered content previously. And that was, that was a huge mistake. And so if you're someone who's just thinking, okay, I go to LinkedIn when I'm looking for a job, I go to LinkedIn when, okay, well, I'm going to brush up my profile a little bit, and then I'm going to go look for a job. It's so much more than that. Let me ask you this. Is this just a tool for business development? This, is this a tool that you're like, okay, I want more clients. I want more business. I'm going to LinkedIn. Well, I see it principally as that, but you can build great relationships. You can learn, you can get the news, you can make social connections for local groups. I mean, when that kind of thing is really happening again properly. So, so for me, it's just, it's a little bit of everything. And I find it a really interesting place to be. And I also find that the quality of the discussion that happens is far better on LinkedIn than on any other social platform. If you compare it with somewhere like Twitter or Facebook, which is often politicized or people will sling mud at each other for no good reason. I think because of the fact that LinkedIn is not an anonymous platform, everyone is a named individual. <laughs> no keyboard warriors. And, you know, a lot of people have got an employer who might be watching their activity. Then, then people keep it a little bit more courteous and a bit more business professional. That's not to say that a lot of people don't act properly. And there's lots of mistakes that people do make on LinkedIn. But nevertheless, I think of all of the social media platforms, it's the best one to build a business presence. And because it's not as big as Facebook, the organic reach potential, the potential to create something and have it reach potentially thousands of people without paying a penny, 
that is better on LinkedIn than on any other platform. Yeah. So one thing I want to comment on, and then a question I want to make earlier, you said about then the conversations you have, the people have already self-selected. That's really important because then the level of conversations you're having are elevated. It's not you just picking up the phone, smiling and dialing, and maybe the person on the other end isn't the right person or not the right position or doesn't resonate with, with your style, with your language, with your background, and, and they can do as much due diligence. I, I, I love that idea because at that point we're having conversations just like you and I, the story we started with. By the time you and I were on the phone, I already knew John was the guy, he was who we needed, and his expertise would help us get from where we are to where we needed to be. And you were unaware of all of that due diligence until I finally reached out. My question is, you said people are doing lots of things wrong on LinkedIn. Tell us some of the things they're doing wrong. Well, I mean, one of the most common things I see is from people who finally realize that LinkedIn is not just for a CV. They'll say, okay, we want to sell on LinkedIn. Let's sell. let's do some selling, you know, or the, the Asia department needs to be selling. Let's get them on LinkedIn, right? So, so what that results in is people trying to make loads of connections really, really quickly. They haven't got the first clue of any depth of knowledge about the people that they're connecting with. And then if they do make a connection, they're immediately trying to move the sales conversation forward. And actually that's gonna scare people off. You know, you just need to hold back a little bit and, and think about the long term. It's far better to build a slow, steady relationship, make it very hands-off and, and think, well, maybe this person will be a customer in three months, in six months, maybe in a year or more, you know, especially if you've got long buying cycles and, and each new customer might be worth five or maybe six figures to your business. You don't want to rush that. So, so that's one of the biggest mistakes is not thinking in the long term. They just think we need to make some sales this month. That, that's all wrong. So, so that, that, that's a big thing to get around. But then there's loads of other things. Everyone's got their profile there to be read and people don't read it. So they don't know enough to personalize their messages to people. So everything feels very boilerplate, very automated. Even if it isn't automated, it can feel very generic. Hi, I'd like to connect with you on LinkedIn. So <laughs> who are you? Why should I say yes? Show me that you've taken some interest in what I'm doing. And then, or let's say people will make a connection and then they'll just get on with their day and they won't try and establish a conversation through the direct messages. So they'll just stay silent. And that makes the other person feel as though, well, maybe I'm just part of a numbers game. You don't actually want, you know, you wanted to connect with me, but you don't seem at all interested in wanting to help me or get to know me or, or anything like that. You know, th so staying silent it can be almost as bad as just being really salesy at people. And then in terms of the content that you see, so you've got this social feed, which contains short form posts and longer form articles, and you get videos and all sorts. Well, you could just sit there and mindlessly scroll that, scroll, scroll, scroll. And essentially you're just faceless if you do that. If you don't interact with content, no one gets to know the value that you get to bring to the table. So instead of being one of the approximately 90% of people who just does that. They just consume and they never really dive in and get interacting with what they see. Look for content and look for creators who work in either directly in your industry or in related kind of satellite industries and say, look, that's an interesting conversation happening right now. I've got some experience of that. I could contribute helpfully to this discussion and, and showcase my skills and my experience. And in doing so, all of the people who are following that discussion, following that content creator, will, will see your contribution referred into their feeds and they'll go, wow, who's, who's April? Where does she come from? That, that's, this is exactly what we need. And, and I've lost a count of the number of times of people who've tried to connect with me and said, I saw you commenting on April's post and I found this really helpful. Let's connect and maybe we can have a chat. So if I didn't make that first step, those, those people wouldn't have, they wouldn't have discovered me. And actually it's my number one tip for bootstrapping your visibility is let's say you've got zero followers yourself. Instead of creating content on your own profile, it's actually much better to go and look for content from people who already have an engaged audience and then comment on that stuff. And you might find that that comment 
which wouldn't have got any visibility if it had been a post on your own profile, could potentially get massive visibility as a result of being connected with that post that you've contributed to. So you shouldn't try to hijack debates or anything like that. But if you can show your expertise, your experience, your support for the content creator's ideas, you can very quickly, I think, establish yourself as someone who's got something interesting to say and who is worth following in your industry. So those are the, some of the things that people don't do is they, they don't get their profile filled in. They don't engage with content. They try to be too salesy too quickly. The things you need to try to avoid as some of many things you need to avoid. I love that number one tip on bootstrapping. If you don't have a big following, which is commenting on someone else who does add value. Do they put a link in their comment? Something I see people do a lot. <laughs> okay. So that can be quite bad practice because the only time that I would recommend doing that is if you are sure that the thing that you're about to spend five minutes typing out on your keyboard is already completely answered in something you might have prepared and, and published earlier. That is just a waste of time. Look, I've, I've got seven replies to this point that you've made and I've written them all down and here they are. <laughs> okay. That, in that case, you would, it makes sense to include a link, but otherwise, that can be seen as subverting the conversation or directing attention away, and that's not good practice. So I'd be very careful with including it. If it's someone that I know, then maybe I'm just a little bit looser. But generally speaking, try to make your point within the, the content of the comment. And bear in mind that LinkedIn does seem to pay attention to the, the substantive content of the comment. So a comment that goes, great post, exclamation mark, is not as valuable as something that contains maybe two or three paragraphs of reasoned discussion. Wow. It's that granular. They're looking that closely. Well, yeah, because it's a function of how much time has been spent being poured into that post. Because as of last year, uh, sort of April, May last year, LinkedIn started measuring something called dwell time, which is the amount of time that is spent kind of hovering over the post, consuming it. And clearly, if someone spends, let's say, five minutes writing a comment, that must have more intrinsic value than someone who spent half a second clicking the like button and then scrolling onwards. So LinkedIn might not be smart enough to assess the intrinsic value of the content, but it can use the, the, the length of time devoted to the content as a proxy for how valuable it probably is. And so the more long comments you can draw, and that comes down to creating content that really gets to the, gets people's emotions firing or, or asks a really insightful question that really makes people stop and think. That's the stuff that gets you deep comments, interesting conversations that you can maybe take online and possibly do business off the back of and excellent visibility. And of course, thought leadership, because Basically, intelligent people ask intelligent questions. And if you can do that and spark a debate, you're going to be the person who gets remembered and the other people are going to get forgotten. Yeah. We're talking about it kind of in, in practice. So let's actually run through a scenario. So say, you know, I work with a gal who is in speech analytics and she doesn't have as much of a following and she's, you know, sp speaks on it, wants to speak more on it. So in this particular instance, what she would do is, since she doesn't have as large of a following, she's going to go out and find someone else who does have a large following or a conversation that's happening about speech analytics that she has some insight and she can weigh in on. And then she's going to comment. She's going to make it an insightful comment. It's going to be something that she knows a lot about, something that dovetails perfectly with her expertise. And if it's an insightful comment, if it's a long comment, then she will get visibility on that person or that particular article, you're going to get visibility to their audience. And depending on the comment and how much dwell time, how much time people spend engaging in her comment or hovering over a comment is going to give her even more visibility. And this is a way for her to ultimately build her own profile and build her own audience by just adding insight to someone else's. Yeah, you've basically got it in a nutshell there. And and I've got, I mean, a couple of examples come to mind in the last couple of days where I've made a comment, a, a long comment, three, four paragraphs long on someone else's post. And that comment has in itself received more reactions and, and, and sub comments than the original post did. 
So it's almost as if, and I'm not trying to take over the post, but it's that visibility that comes about from getting a, a comment with 60 or 70 likes on it is really, really powerful. And the example you gave actually of the speech analytics person, this is where, when I said you go and find things that are relevant, or you go and find things that are in satellite industries. I mean, in, in an example like that, maybe you go and find people who are talking about the state of education in the US, let's say, and, you know, failing grades of kids or something like that. And that's where maybe an educational angle with the person's academic and professional expertise could be used to start an interesting argument or well, not an argument, but an interesting discussion. So it's, it's not their business directly, but the people who are reading it might think, yeah, this person really knows, and they might know people who would refer business to that person. So it's not always just, I make widgets so I can only comment on people who make widgets. It, it, it's not as linear as that. It's satellite industries of people who might be empathetic, sympathetic to what you're talking about. So think about the bigger picture. Sure. So John, let me ask this. I got to ask the obvious question. So we're busy people. This sounds like a big time commitment. It can be, certainly. Yeah. So is it something that you go, okay, I'm going to a lot or, or maybe not necessarily you, cause this is sort of your world, but the people that you work with, is it like, okay, every morning you're allotting 30 minutes to these kinds of posts, these kinds of engagements. Like what does this look like in a practical sense from day to day? I think to get a, a reasonable LinkedIn presence, then you probably need to set aside a few hours a week. Okay. You don't necessarily need to be the person who does the button clicking and the post writing yourself. But if ever you're going to outsource something like that, you have to be very clear about what your personal brand is, and you have to be the architect of that. And you probably need to understand the, the rules of the game, how LinkedIn works, how content works, what you should expect, what, what kind of results you should expect from a, from a consistent presence. Because if you get that consultancy from someone, then you can brief the people to say, okay, team, this is what the plan that we're now executing on. So you don't need to then be steering the ship really day to day because you probably are busy in board meetings and whatever, but you at least need to have that insight upfront, understand how it works, define the brand, agree on a strategy, and, and then maybe let some of the team members or, or some, some external members who come in actually create the content for you and move things forward for you. Yeah. So how do you know if you're that person? Because I, I'm so glad you brought that up. That was going to be my next question, John. So I work with a gal who is a director of engineering. She knows her craft very, very, very well. But for her to make time to sit down and put pen to paper to craft something like this, craft an article, her insight's amazing. We want to capture that. She has great information, but how does she translate that? Is that something that she engages a copywriter. Who would they engage with and what would that look like? For me, the very best results come when the people actually get the skills to understand how the platform works and then write it in their own voice. I think that's the best. So I, I like to consult with people, give them the insights up front and then say, right, you can go and do this now. Not everyone still has the time to actually make that happen, in which case you need to employ other methods to, to make it real. So maybe I've worked with some executives who, you know, they get the brand clear, they get the insights clear, and then we'll sketch out maybe 20 ideas for posts that they could create. And then I say, okay, get your phone, get Otter or some other dictation software and say, topic one, it's this, I've got these five ideas. This is what I want people to do at the end of the post. This is what I want people to feel and react and what, what I want out of this done. Next one. And so on. And that then very quickly, they've dictated the rough outline of what they want. And, and then you could maybe pass that to someone who can actually sit down and do the polishing and do the research and say, oh, yeah, we found this scientific paper that backs this up and let's get some nice infographics created around that one. You know, the, the person who deals with the, the moving cogs and the wheels it doesn't have to be the executive, but if 
if their voice is captured in the briefing, then that might be enough to get them through. That's huge. I'm a huge fan of Otter as well. And that was actually the exact advice I gave this particular woman is capture it all in Otter first. So again, if if you're not familiar with Otter and there's lots of different apps that do this, but it's a free app on your phone and it records both the audio version of you talking, but also transcribes and the transcription is pretty decent. But the idea of that is that the same people that either don't have time or let's be honest, some people don't enjoy writing. That's not their skill set. They go, oh man, creative writing in school was my worst topic. Even if they can't necessarily write it, they can articulate it. So hitting that record button, and sometimes it's during their commute and just talking through my team. And I've talked about this before. I'll leave a client meeting and I hit record. That's where I get my podcast content from. So I just left, okay, I just left this manufacturing company. This was their challenge. This is how we navigated it. This was what is, what was at stake. This was the win. Talk about the story of kind of transformation here. They were here. They are now it's all captured through Otter through a simple app. And then you can send both the text document and this podcast is not being sponsored by Otter, let me just say, but we're huge fans. And then someone gets your voice too, which is so important. They actually hear how you work through the particular topics and the call to action. That's very important is when you're writing this, what do you want someone to do and think and feel because they've read your piece of content? Yes. So that's one approach. Another approach would be, let's say, if it's a retainer client, I'll book a regular 20 minutes with them. And then we'll say, okay, it's been a couple of weeks since the last one. We're going to do another article now. And what what do you want to talk about? And let let me just hit you with a load of questions. So the executive then is just leaning on their expertise. And I'm asking as many difficult questions and saying, what about this? What about that? Why does that matter? What's the competition doing? What's this going to look like in three years? Really pull out their expertise and then I'll take that away. I I lift that burden from them and I go and think about it for a couple of days and I come back with something that is basically on point. that's That's the plan. It's a bit more expensive that way, but that's another option. So you can do it yourself, but then you're, you're sacrificing time. You can do a kind of halfway house where you're, you're just dictating stuff and you're doing a little bit of it, or you can do a little bit more and you can brief someone to, to create the content for you. But whichever method you choose, I think the important thing I need to get across to you is this is not campaign thinking. So if you think, okay, let's do this for 12 weeks and, and, and then we'll be owning LinkedIn and we'll be owning Google. Work that way. You've got to find a cadence that works for the business, but you've got to stay relevant by showing up because people will forget you pretty quickly. I mean, unless you're Coca-Cola or McDonald's, they're probably going to forget you. So think about this not as a campaign, but as this is part of our business process now. What can we commit to that we can actually do every week or every month or whatever it is forever? That's the way you need to show up so that you end up building a kind of bank of content that gives you so much you know, kudos and credibility. It's really, really powerful stuff. So just think in the long term is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's so, that's so important. And the consistency is key. Without it, people do forget who you are unless you can spend millions on ads like uh, Coca-Cola. So a bank of content, that's a really good point. So for some people say they're going to write it themselves and then I want to move off kind of the corporate focus and then ask you a question about business owners, but content banking is, is a huge piece of this, right? So sometimes people have to kind of get into this creative space to create these articles. There's no shame in writing two or three at once and then you just release them. That's the best way to do it, right? So talk to us about content banking and the best way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, often when we when I start with clients, I'll say, okay, look at the the untapped gold mine, which is always your email inbox and your sent items folder, because you've probably received loads of questions that you've answered one to one or you've you've palmed off onto someone in your team to answer. And there are loads of nuggets hiding in there, things that you could anonymize and generalize and answer at scale. And, and you might have, you might really quickly be able to come up with 20 pieces of content from that approach alone, especially, I mean, if you've been in business for like five years, wow, how many emails have you received in that time? There are probably so many pieces of content you can create just from that. And absolutely, you will be more efficient if you can batch your content rather than doing it end to end each time, once a week, that, that there's a lot of slowdown and speed up and, and, and there's wastage there. Whereas if you can say, right, we'll have these 100 ideas, 
We're going to commission a hundred blog image headers all in one go, all made to the same template. There's economies of scale in, in batching it. And then you can decide your, your release schedule. Or what you can do is you can say, well, we'll probably release one of these a week. But basically, we've got money in the bank here. Now, if something big happens in our industry, we can just say, okay, pause that. Uh, we're going to react to this thing because we know this is going to blow up because it's, it's trending on Twitter. It's just like an insurance policy. So if nothing's happening in the industry, cool, we can keep to our schedule. If something does break, instead of sounding like a dinosaur who never responds to anything, you can be really quick and you can say, okay, we can just make something else because we know we've got something in the back burner that we can put out next time and it's all cool. Um, so yeah, back, batching like that is a good idea. And I would always start with your email inbox. And, and then beyond that, I would say, think about things like what are the common misconceptions in your industry? Because you're an expert, your clients are less of an expert than you are. They, they, they ought to be anyway. There are things that you know that they don't. There are, there are misconceptions that they've got and other things as well, like, for example, what are the orthodox positions in your industry that maybe you disagree with? And, and can you explain those in an interesting way? Like, what's your hot take on so-and-so topic? You know, there are lots of kind of thought leadership things like that that you can do. And of course, if you can write things that are practical tips, anything that can be set out in a process, um, all of that stuff is really high utility. It helps to educate the customer so that you imagine that the sales process is from zero to 100%. If you're getting people to 70 or 80% on that scale before they ever pick up the phone to you, it just sales conversations so much easier because they're just basically, they're just waiting to sign on the dotted line. So all of that educational content, like if I'm going to be telling someone one-to-one -one something, why, not, why don't I just tell them in my content, they can self-educate. And when they come to me, they're not surprised by anything I'm going to tell them because they kind of, they've already read it and it's all cool. And, and where do I sign? Yeah, that's so important. I love this concept of it's in your inbox or your sent folder. One thing that I've talked about with my clients is all the content is, is just answering the questions your avatar has, your avatar being your ideal client. What questions do they have? And we don't have to hypothesize. We just have to think about what they sit down and ask. So when I created my digital course, the whole reason why I did this is so relevant is because it's the number one question I was asked. People always say, well, how do I get more done in my day? How do I get more done in my team's day? It was all about productivity and efficiency. And that's when the light bulb went on off that I'm like, oh, this is this thing I kind of overlook because I'm moving past that. And sometimes our best content is the thing that is so natural to us that we can almost overlook. We know it, we know it inside and out. And sometimes we forget how valuable that is that we don't necessarily have to go out and research a new topic. It's the thing that everybody keeps asking us about, which is in your inbox and your set folders. Two more quick tips for you on this one. One, go and look at books that are relevant to your industry and look at their table of contents at the beginning and say, Hmm, I've got something to say about that. I've got something to say about that. I've got, because those things are obviously relevant in your industry because people wouldn't be writing about them. And another thing is while you're on Amazon looking those things up, look for negative reviews of things. Because if you look at a negative review and someone says, oh yeah, but you talk about this and that doesn't make any sense or you, you totally missed out, blah, blah, blah. Then you can go, aha, okay, right. So this person made a mistake here. The reader is obviously expecting something else. I could write about that. I could make a video about that. We could do an ebook about this. We could make a whole email series. These are these are some of the sources of inspiration that you can create content, and and you can get so many ideas for for for, for the future. John, that is gold, absolutely, because they'll let you know where the gaps were in that book, especially if it's a best-selling book. You've got thousands of eyes on this book, maybe hundreds of thousands of eyes, and if everybody's saying, "Hey, you left out this piece. You talked about this piece, but." But what about it from this angle? Or I wish you would have addressed this. It's a great opportunity for your content. So let's shift a little bit and talk about business owners. So when a business owner has a LinkedIn profile, again, they may have stood it up and say, okay, well, now I know this is, who, you know, I'm a founder of this business. Everybody knows that. If anyone wants to go and validate, I'm actually, let me take a step back. And I think that's what a lot of people think about LinkedIn is like, well, I'll just put it up there sort of to authenticate I am who I say I am. And it's so much more than that. What would you say to a business owner? What is something that you could tell them that they could do right away to make their LinkedIn profile better? 
Okay, so one easy thing to do is to humanize your profile by recording a cover story. So the cover story sits behind your profile photo so that if you go and look at any LinkedIn profile now, either on mobile or desktop, if you see an orange ring around their profile photo, it means that they've got a cover story. And if you click that, you will see up to 30 seconds of portrait mode video of them hopefully introducing themselves to you. And I think that we all talk about human to human interaction, not business to business anymore. If you're going to do anything to humanize your process so that you feel more approachable, go and do that. You can do it from your smartphone. Well, you have to do it from your smartphone. You, you, that's the only way of uploading it. Oh, you can't do it through Zoom? No, no. So, so it's got to be done through your smartphone. And it's, it's optimized for portrait mode anyway. So you just hold your phone just the way you normally would up to 30 seconds. If you can add captions, brilliant. That's something you could do in the next five minutes because all you need to do is say who you are, really what, what you're in business to do and why someone would want to have a conversation with you today. That's it. In and out, 30 seconds, done. That is a simple thing you should do, and I think everyone should do this. A slightly more involved thing is to, to really think carefully about the opening part of your LinkedIn headline, specifically the first 40 characters. And the reason I say that is because along with your name and your profile photo, the first 40 characters of your LinkedIn headline will follow you all around LinkedIn. Every single screen where you're referenced, that bit of text will appear. And it needs to be something that really grabs people's attention while selling, a, a, faithfully selling a true promise. So for me, I, my whole brand is built around this idea of being relentlessly helpful. And, and my opening bit is relentlessly helpful LinkedIn nerd. It kind of sums up a bit of personality and says in, in which vertical I, I work, really. So doing some thinking about what you want that to be, that can be the difference between someone seeing a comment of yours and then going, hmm, that looks interesting. Let's find out. Let's let's kind of double click on this person and find out a bit more. To ah, just another just another business analyst. Who cares? So that takes some thought because condensing an interesting message that doesn't sound like everyone else's message not easy. And and sometimes you need some help with that. But if you can do that, that can be the difference between someone clicking on your profile and not. And I always say that your content tells, but your profile sells. So you want people clicking through to your profile because that's where you can say, this is my business. These are the three things we offer. Here's a great reason to talk to me. Book into my Calendly today. That's where you can make your pitch. You shouldn't be making pitch in public content all the time. You put out posts saying, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. People are going to unfollow you. But if they look at your profile, they want to know, what, what does April do? Like, how, how, why am I going to give her cash today? Oh, she does this, that, and the other. Cool. I know. Brilliant. So get people into your profile and you do that through a really compelling headline. And, and you might need a little bit of help to, to really get that some polish because it might only be a few words, but they're really powerful words. So, so think about that. Too. So when you're out commenting on other people's content on those people that we were just talking about, they're going to see those 40 characters. Those are going to be super important. And I imagine if you need inspiration, you can also look at what some other people are doing. You're not going to want to follow exactly, but you can say, Hey, this person seems to be wildly successful. Here's how they set it up. I want to point out the one of the things that we're talking about here is personal branding, right? We're talking about personal branding through LinkedIn, but it all ties back to personal branding. Though you may not be selling on LinkedIn, that doesn't mean you don't get money from it. You absolutely do get money from it. Not that it's all just about uh, monetizing what we're doing, but that is an important part. That's how we get to keep running our businesses. I'm thinking about an interview that I did with Cameron Harold, best-selling author and speaker, but he also was the COO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And what was really interesting is he learned the value of personal branding back then because he had a personal brand. When the buyout happened, he ultimately retained or was given much more money and had a much more visible presence as the COO. Cause sometimes the CEO gets all the glitz and glam, right? COOs can sometimes not be as visible because he took the time to do these things, these things on LinkedIn and build out a personal brand. People knew who Cameron was. He was part of the buyout package. And so it's, you're getting your content out there, you're educating people, but ultimately there is a monetization that can exist on the back end of it. And you could reap these rewards real quick. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think what we have to realize is that everyone 
has a personal brand, whether you want one or not, because essentially we're talking about your reputation. And the clearer your personal brand is, the more conscious you are about how you steer the river, the, the, the more likely you are to attract the people who are going to align with and support your brand so that when times get tough, you've got an audience to buffer you against the bad times. And th there's value in having an audience because if you ever switch streams, you'll be taking those people with you because they bought into you. They haven't just bought a product, they bought into you. So even if you change businesses, they are still following you. And it's, it's a really valuable thing, but you need to think about this and be intentional about what you want that personal brand to be. So in, in my book, Content DNA, I talk about having four or five foundational values that you consciously repeat to people or, or demonstrate through your presence so that people get to know what it is that you want them to get to know about you. And they, they make, that makes you more memorable to them. And the person who is most memorable in the industry gets most referrals. It's as simple as that. So that's the position you want to occupy. Oh, that's a great line. I love also, and I completely agree. We all have personal brands. Some of us have just been intentional about building them. So it is your reputation. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. And you can either create that or curate that. Curate kind of has a different connotation, but you can either be intentional about that or you're at the mercy of something else. And so thinking, okay, what do I want people to say about me? What do I want to stand for? And both communicating that and demonstrating that is huge. John, I want to talk about the, the LinkedIn leaders playbook. You've got a digital course. Talk to us about what that course does and who it's right for. Well, it is designed for people who want to develop their personal brand or who business owners who want to create content and want to build a better presence on LinkedIn so that LinkedIn actually gets them some results. And I've split it into a number of modules. So this is a, it's a video based course and I've done modules on, you know, do's and don'ts on LinkedIn and how to get your profile right and how to use the search features to find the people you want to talk to, what your tactics should be for connecting with people, because you certainly shouldn't just rush in. What are the, the hints and tips for managing a business profile page, a company page on LinkedIn versus a personal profile? How you create posts and effective content that, that converts people? And then a load of advanced tips towards the end as well. So I basically I've put all, everything that I've learned from countless experiments that I've done on the platform over the last four years, because I'm, I'm very much a data nerd and, you know, I, I want to know what works and what doesn't. So all of that I've just put together into this course. And the people who've taken the course have also are in a, a, a private group that I'm running to give people ongoing support. Yeah, it's been fairly successful so far because... Uh, thankfully, people have seen that I, I'm I take LinkedIn seriously. I'm there every day, and I'm I'm trying to model what 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 a successful presence looks like, and and give people the, the very best of my knowledge in how they can do the same. So once they take the course, what will they what will they do different? What results will they get after they've been through the course? Um, you've run lots of people through it. What what kind of results are they getting? Sure. Well, I mean, people are creating better LinkedIn uh, summaries for themselves, better headlines, things that get more noticed. The, the key stat I tell people to measure is the number of times they appear in search and the number of profile views they get. And people are reporting that those are going up, creating content on a, on a consistent basis. And people are saying that, you know, the, the people who are in, inviting them to connect, instead of just going jumping into a sales pitch, they're instead starting with, oh, I read that article you wrote about this, or I saw your comment about so-and-so, and I found that interesting. And, and that then, in the fullness of time, leads to business. So I know that this stuff works. I've proved it for myself. Something like 80% of all my business now comes from LinkedIn. Even though I'm a content writer, business comes to me through LinkedIn, and the rest of it comes with Google mostly, or or a little bit of word and mouth here and there. So, so yeah, like I said, I know that this stuff works and um, it's taken me a long time to put that course together, but I'm, I'm pretty, pretty proud of the content. I think it's, it's a solid guide to how to operate one of the most complex social media platforms, but also I think one of the most powerful. And I just want to tie this too, and then I'm, I'm going to give you guys the link of where to go to grab it. But think about this. This, this course, which costs less than going to a trade show, 
can teach you how to get more exposure than I've done the trade show circuit. I've done the the conferences all over. You're flying there. You're paying for the hotel. You're paying for your team. If you get a booth, you're paying thousands for the booth, the, 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 the marketing budget, all the things that go into a trade show. And you might get less exposure than managing your LinkedIn profile. Well, I just want to put this in terms of dollars and cents and the amount of time is much less than sending you and your team to a trade show. So take a look at John's course. It's, it's going to add value. Ultimately, it has a monetization on the back end that you reap the rewards of real quick. And this is years of information and expertise boiled down into it. You can grab that course at pivot-me.com backslash LinkedIn. We have access to John's course. He's also giving us a discount. So for Pivot Me listeners, add in the discount code April nice and easy to remember. And you'll actually get a discount off of that course. But again, let's just think about, think about the marketing budget we have now. Think about sales, how much those things cost, how much time that costs. And think about how I found John. John didn't pay to go to a trade show to meet me. John what John didn't end up in my inbox. I ended up in John's inbox. I was already sold on everything that his company did before we got on the phone and we were glad to have him. So take a look at this course Take the time to, to curate your LinkedIn profile. Make sure that you're intentional about your personal brand that you're putting out there because ultimately it ends up in sales and it ends up in content and it ends up in, in education and positioning you as the thought leader that you are. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you for that, April. And uh, yeah, I hope, hope people take note and give it a spin. I'm also a regular content creator on LinkedIn. Of course, I, I do share a lot of tips publicly completely for free because that is actually the main way that I attract new business. So do do check me out. I'm fairly easy to find on LinkedIn. I think I must be the only Asperian there. Probably. Tell us where we can find you, John. Where's the best place to connect? Well, I mean, through my website, which is Asperian.co.uk, and I've got a whole LinkedIn section there, but also on LinkedIn. So if you find me, just search Asperian on LinkedIn. I've done a little thing, which I call a conversation hook. So if you look in my headline, you'll see that I say, find my secret word. And that is a way of encouraging people to read my about statement. In there, I've got a secret word. And if you include that in your invitation, I know that you've, you're not a robot. You've really read my profile. And that means I'm much more likely to pay attention to you than someone who's just clicking connect. And and I'm just, I'm just a number to them. So take that advice on board and maybe think of your own conversation hooks for your profile. Think of ways of getting more people to speak to you because that is the first step to getting more people to do business with you. Yeah, that's so valuable. John, I actually, since you mentioned that, I have another question unrelated. We weren't prepared for this question, but here we are. John, you have something very interesting in your profile phrasing. You said that you use the phrase, I'm not a douche canoe. Now that statement has to have a backstory. Either t- t- tell us why you put that in. Either you've run across too many. Yeah, well, yes. I mean, that's another conversation hook, and it's something I've written about in Content DNA. You know, you talked earlier about building this ideal client avatar. Uh, it's what I call a pen portrait in my book. I think it's also useful to have the opposite of that person in your mind. Like, who do you want to avoid? Because we spend so much time chasing customers, but we forget that actually, if we could avoid headaches, <laughs> that would really help a lot. And so the douche canoe is my imagined person who's got the fake tan and the slick back hair and the gold watch, and he turns up 15 minutes late to every meeting, and then he's paid twice as much as everyone else, so his opinion has to fly. It's basically looking for the signs that some a red flag that someone is going to be difficult to deal with and, and just back out as quickly as you can get away from those people because they'll drain your energy and probably drain your budget too so that's that's the douche canoe and when someone asks me about it it's my opportunity to have a conversation around that and talk about the book and, and stuff. So anything that starts a conversation a little bit of fun like that is really powerful Well, and I would imagine it also cuts out some people that wouldn't engage with you because you put that in there. It's kind of the like and repel thing too. Like, ah, if they don't like this phrase, they're not going to reach out to me and they're probably not my people. When we say that marketing is a magnet, it's true. You know, marketing doesn't just attract, it can repel depending on which way the magnet aligned. So you want to attract the people you you do want to work with. You want to repel everyone else to get rid of those headaches and, and that is the essence of a good personal brand. It's really clear who this is for 
and who it's not for. And if you can get that clear, you, you're going to win. For sure. So I was just talking to a podcaster earlier, a fellow podcaster, and we were talking about David Goggins, the author. And he said, yeah, but I wouldn't want him on the podcast because I don't like his style because he cusses too much. And I said, funny, I want David on the podcast because I like his style and I enjoy the fact that he cusses so much. And he goes, ah, therein lies our difference. So again, that like and repel is really important. So John, thank you so much for your information, your insight, your expertise. If you're listening now, go take John's course. It is less than a trade show. It is less than your marketing budget or your ad spend. It is incredibly valuable and you will get remarkable results from it. Thank you so much for having me, April. It's been wonderful to be here. Thank you. Thanks, John. Man, those are some very practical, very actionable advice today from John. How to humanize your profile. This is truly about free education. It's about marketing and how to leverage the algorithms in your favor. I love when we talk about why it's not Facebook, which is not a bad thing. How to bootstrap and grow your audience when it is still tiny. He told us exactly how to do this and why the first 40 characters is so important in our LinkedIn profile. It follows you around everywhere. Every time you comment, that's what people are going to see. If you only take two things from this interview, let it be one, nail those first 40 characters. If you need help, reach out to John, reach out to a copywriter, reach out to someone who can help you get those most important 40 characters. But number two, add value and demonstrate your expertise through articles. As John and I discussed, it doesn't have to be you penning the whole thing. If writing is not your bag, baby, you can use something like Otter to get the, the concepts down and add in the piece, the data, the information. It can be built on afterwards, but just get the skeleton down and then engage with somebody who can help you really flesh that out. But get your expertise down through those articles. Go connect with John on LinkedIn and take a look at his course at www.pivot-me.com backslash LinkedIn. Get the best practices on how to build a powerful presence on the world's number one business networking platform. And if you haven't already connected with me on LinkedIn, find me, let's connect, let's chat. Have a great day. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.